Hey, you're listening to the Kingdom Church Podcast, and we're so glad you're joining us. This week, we have a very special speaker, our very own intern, Chase McCollman, and he gives an amazing word to sharing his own story and revealing God's true heart for us. Let's get to the message today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, um, and if you guys want to stand, and we're just going to read the word today. Um, there's a guy at the art conference that we went to, and he just talked about how um, the, the holiness of God has kind of fallen away a little bit. And so as we read the word of God, I want us to stand and honor him. And so Matthew chapter 11, it's a bit of a harder text. I was kind of mad when God kind of showed it to me because <laughs> it's not about something fun. Like I can't just sit here and make you guys smile the whole time. It's kind of about God's judgment. And so it's a little bit scary, but we're going to read. So go to verse 20. It says, then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So it's a heavy passage. Um, So I want to name the message today, The Judge Who Saves. The Judge Who Saves. You guys can take a seat. So I came to Kingdom Church about like two and a half years ago, and I remember coming in, and and it was my first time, and even after having a very awkward conversation with the pastor, which I'm sure many of you guys have had, um, (laughs) I just kind of felt like there's a, it was a place where I felt at home, and a place where I felt like I belonged, and and so it was amazing, but then COVID hit, and so everything kind of went to crap, and including my relationship at the time, me and my girlfriend broke up like a weekend. Um, and so I was kind of like, I was in my parents' basement, where I still live, come on. Um, and I was kind of at this, this crossroads where it's like you lose a big part of something in your life, and so then you kind of, you have like a clean slate to make a decision. And so I was kind of like, God had been working on my heart a little bit, and I was like, okay, Pastor Harrison's preaching this sermon on heart problems online, and so I could probably watch that, or I could drink a bunch of White Claws and play Call of Duty for a while with my friends. And so the obedient man that I am, I drank a bunch of White Claws and played Call of Duty with my friends. Um, But after that, then I started watching this series, and and I was finally obedient. And uh, and as I'm watching this series um, that Pastor Harrison's preaching, it's just, God is just showing me a new goodness that I've never seen before. And a lot of times I think, like, we can grow up in church and, and this goodness of God can kind of just go right past our heads. But I just felt like the Holy Spirit was working me, on me in that moment. And so the goodness of God and his mercy is kind of just being revealed to me in a new way. Um, but the thing is, with that, then it's kind of like, say you're sitting in a room that's really dark and then someone flicks on the lights and it's super, super bright. Like, it actually hurts. And so as his goodness and his mercy is being revealed, it was actually, like, hurting because all of this wickedness and this sinfulness in me was beginning to come out. And God, so he called me to a bunch of times of like intense repentance in my room. I'm just sitting in my computer chair like weeping as I'm watching these, these series. And God is just doing a lot in my heart. And, and so these things are coming up as he's showing his goodness. And I'm just like, I'm texting like my brother who I've had like a rocky relationship with. And we're, we're reconciling. And I'm texting an ex that I'd hurt in the past. And we're reconciling. God's just doing these crazy things. And, uh, and it hurt. 
It didn't feel good, but it was actually a time where God was like beginning to bring me to repentance. And so repentance is a word that I'm going to be using a lot today. And so I just wanted to define it quick. It says repentance, it involves the idea of remorse and regret for having had the wrong thinking in the first place and turning from that to something or someone else. And so as I use this word repentance in the context of what Jesus uses it in, then his whole idea is that we have the wrong thinking when we're apart from God, and he wants us to turn to him, and he wants to give us his way, right? And so as I use that word repentance, keep that in mind. And so I'm I'm sitting in my room, and God's doing this stuff in my heart, and and so fast forward about a year, then I had met an amazing girl named Chantel, and she had introduced me to the church more, and we were back in person, and I was serving on the setup team, and, uh, and I was gearing up and ready to go on a YWAM. And so I'm sure if you've been in this church for a little bit, you probably have heard about YWAM, because everyone does it here. Um, <laughs> but it's a six-month discipleship program, and so the first three months are like discipleship training school, so you're getting lectures on what it means to follow Jesus and, and what that looks like, and then for two and a half months, you go on missions, and you put that into practice, um, and so I go on this, um, this YWAM, and I'm sitting there, and God begins to do the same kind of thing where he's revealing more of his goodness, and he's revealing more of his mercy in my life. And again, it's hurting because I'm coming to repentance, and, it, and it's not something that's easy. It's actually something that was very, very hard. But the whole time I'm, I'm learning about this God that I had actually, I had sat in church my whole life, but I had never seen this part of him. I never understood this goodness or, or the mercy that he had for me. But I was also realizing just like more and more, like, man, I am so deserving of judgment. Like, there's so much sin in my life. There's so much wickedness that I've done my whole life that I'm actually so deserving of judgment, but yet this God is meeting me with mercy. He's meeting me with grace and with goodness. And, and so as he's, he's doing these things in my life, then I'm seeing miracles happen. Like, I was, I, I was on the floor, like, shaking, being delivered from demons on YWAM. I was going through this incredible healing from sexual trauma and shame that I experienced in my life. And, and God was just bringing me to a place where he's just showing his goodness for me. And, and it was just... It was something I had never experienced, and I'm just getting a taste of, of his goodness and seeing what's going on and, and his heart for me. But the thing was is, is he did all this, but I still actually wasn't fully choosing Jesus. He would brought me through this. He'd shown me all this goodness, shown me all this grace, and, and he had called me, but I still hadn't given him my life fully. And so it's about two and a half months in, and, and this lady, she's preaching on identity, and it's about four days long, and it's one of the most beautiful teachings I've ever heard. She's just talking about this identity in Christ that we have, that there's a loving Father who's there for us, who who is there to protect us, who is there to show us that He cares, and He wants us to come into this family to be called sons and daughters of God, and He says, accept my son, and and you will have freedom from sin, and and just this beautiful identity that we can walk into when Jesus calls us, and and so I'm, I'm sitting there like every single day just weeping and my heart's just pounding because I'm like, I need to do something. I need to respond to this because that's what the gospel does. Yeah. Is, it, is it elicits a response in us where we, we want to come to Jesus. Yeah. We want to fall at his knees. We want to make him Lord of our lives. And so at the end of it, these four days, and, and this lady calls us all up and she says, if you want to make him Lord of your life, if you want to make him your savior, come to the front and receive this. And so I literally, like, I, I've run. <laughs> I run to the front and I just fall on my knees and I just begin to pray and I, I'm in there on my knees and I'm just like, Jesus, you're my best friend. Like, you have, you have seen everything in me. You've seen this wickedness. You've seen the sinfulness, the choices that I've made, the people that I've hurt, the ways that I've been hurt, and you've seen it all. And you're my teacher, and you're my guide, and you're the person that is there for me in all the times of darkness. And you're my savior. And in that moment, like, my heart, it finally made a decision, and I was like, Jesus, you're my Lord. 
You're the Lord of my life. And, and in that moment, like, literally, this, the Spirit of God came over me. And, and I don't even, like, I didn't speak these words over myself. The Spirit was just speaking through me. I'm on my knees, and, and God just begins to say this identity over me. And he's like, you are my son. He's like, I love you with all my heart. And he's like, you are courageous, and you are bold, and you are a leader. And this, it might seem like a little bit surface level, but if you know my testimony, like my whole life I've struggled with my identity. I've struggled if I'm enough. I've struggled if I'm important, if I have purpose, if I have a place. And so as he said this, I'm just breaking because I know that God knows exactly what was in my heart and exactly what I wasn't or I was believing before I came to him. And in that moment, that was like the repentance of me saying, I'm turning from that identity and I'm, I'm receiving this one that God's giving me. And so that's a little bit about me and, and how I ended up here. Ever since that moment, God just put a burden on my heart for Kingdom Church and for St. Albert and to just see St. Albert come to repentance and, and just have revival in this town. I want everyone in St. Albert to know Jesus. And that's something that I'm believing for. And so I wanted to share that to, to give a little bit of my heart and why I'm up here, but also just to give a bit of a framework for what we're going to go through today. Because as we talk about the judgment of God, we actually have to understand his goodness and his mercy before we can understand the judgment. Because mercy always precedes judgment. Um, and so we go back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. And it says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. And so we can look at this verse, and I, I can see these words like denounce and repent. And I can kind of get this picture in my head of like this angry, distant judge who's like, like mad at me and, and wants me to feel bad about myself and he's condemning me. And I'm sure like a lot of people, if it's your first time in church, you've probably had that mindset where it's like you walk in and you're like, oh, I'm going to burn up if I go in the church. And I, I, honestly, like it sounds silly, but I had that idea for a while too when I was living in, in sin, when I was, I was thinking a wrong picture of who God is. And so what I want to do today is I want us to understand that, that in this text, then it's easy to see that judge. It's easy to see and, and picture like an angry God, but we have to actually go back to see where Jesus is coming from. And so in this passage, then, then it says that, um, which most of his miracles had been performed. And so Jesus has been doing ministry throughout these towns, right? He's been going throughout these towns and he's been showing the goodness and the mercy of God. He's come to these, these Jewish towns that were his chosen people that have continued to turn away from him and turn away from him and turn away from him. But Jesus is coming and he's like, hey, I'm here. I'm for you. And he's doing miracles. He's raising people from the dead. He, paralytics are walking. They're seeing crazy, crazy things of God. And he's coming with this message and he's saying, repent and turn because the kingdom of heaven is near. And he's saying, come to me, my people, come. Repent and turn to me. But these people didn't understand the goodness of him. They didn't see his mercy. And he was there with one sole mission was to get the hearts of his people and bring them back to him. Yeah. Jesus is after our hearts and he, and he wanted that from his people. And, and in order to give our heart to God, then we have to understand his goodness and mercy. And so I have a story that always reminds me of God's goodness and his mercy in someone's life. And, and it's easy to, to look back at my own story and, and kind of like, um, not look at it the same way. So I, I picked a story about someone else that I got to actually walk with them and see their journey because it's actually easier to kind of see God's goodness in someone else a lot of the time. And so I was on YWAM, another YWAM story. I'm never going to stop with them. Um, but it's about two weeks in and I'm just sitting with God and I'm, I was kind of struggling with homesickness and I'm kind of saying to God, I'm like, God, I really miss my little sister. 
It's like, Shiloh's my best friend. And I, I really missed her. I'm just talking to God about that. And the next day, then I meet this girl named Linka, exact same as Shiloh. Literally, like, she was my YWAM little sister, and God just provided that. And so I, uh, I'm, I'm talking with Lincoln. We kind of, we go through this whole journey together on YWAM where God does kind of the same thing in us. He just brings up all this wickedness, all this sinfulness, and, and then just shows us this new identity. And so me and her were front of the class every day, weeping, crying, sobbing. It was amazing. Um, but if anyone sat with me for longer than, like, five minutes, like, I don't do small talk. And so I'm usually, like, asking about your parents' Um, or about your childhood wounds or something like that. And so, like, the second night that me and Linka are hanging out, I'm asking her, like, what she's been through, what her, what her childhood is like. And, and she's just telling me, she's like, yeah, like, I, I grew up and, and I love to sing. She's like, I just love to perform. And, and she was in plays and stuff like that all through high school. And then at, at the end of grade 12, then, then she was going for this play, and the teacher that she had been with all through high school didn't give her the part she wanted and the part that she deserved. And then he gave her actually like a really bad part where she didn't sing at all. And so she took that really personally and she lost a lot of identity in that. And she's just telling me, she's like, I don't think I'll ever sing again. Like, I don't think it's really part of me anymore. It's not something that I want to do. And my heart was just kind of breaking. We all have that one friend that it's like you see so much potential in them, but they don't see it in themselves. And it's hard to see. And I saw that in Linka. And, uh, And so then as we go through this journey, we... We, we both give our lives to the Lord and she's just coming out of this identity that she was living in, the false identity and coming into what Jesus had for her. And then we went out on our missions trips and she went one way, I went the other way. And then when we came back, and this time for debrief at the end of it where we talk about how our outreaches went and, and we talk about kind of what it looks like going home, then each morning, each outreach team will come and, and they'll do worship and they'll give a word. And so my team went first and then the next day another team went and then the third day Linka's team comes up. And I'm sitting in the front row, and, and her team walks up, and she's right in the front, and she grabs the mic, and I'm like, no freaking way. <laughs> and God just, he, the Holy Spirit just brings me back to this memory where I'm sitting with her, and she's just like, I don't think I'll ever sing again. I don't think I'll ever perform again. And she's at the front, and she's worshiping God with the biggest smile on her face, and I'm just looking, and I'm seeing this picture of God's goodness right in front of me. Or I've got to see her whole journey and, and what she's been through. And it was just so amazing. And that's the picture that comes into my head when, when I, I get a wrong picture of who God is. I'm like, no, this is the God who I follow. This is the God who I've given my life to, the God who redeems and restores people. And I always think of the Psalm 145 verse 9 when I think of that story. And it says, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over his works. And in that moment, his tender mercy was all over his work. And I just want to say, like, if you're here today and you have been believing that God is against you, if you're believing that he's not for you, that is a lie. Because the same goodness that I just talked about here is, is what you receive through Jesus. It's what he wants for you. It's not a story just for Link. It's a story for all of us. That God's goodness and his mercy is for all of us. And so my next point, we're going to go into Jesus as the righteous judge. Because that's what he is here in this chapter, in this passage. And we have to understand his goodness and his mercy in order to see him as judge. And so we go back, it's verse 21, it says, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. 
For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. And so it's such a harsh passage. It's such a, such a passage that we, we look at and it's like, Ugh! like I don't want to see that, Jesus. And that's, that's why I wanted to build up this goodness and his mercy, because we have to remember that as we look through this passage. We have to keep that in mind. And, and as we begin to understand the judgment of Jesus, I want to take us to another verse quickly, because if we try and think of our own idea of a judge in our head, it's never going to work. And so we have to go to Scripture. We have to go to God's Word to really understand how he judges. And so it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so when we see Jesus in this moment, when he's, when he's speaking to these towns, his heart is not for them to perish, or his heart is not for them to perish. It's for them to come to repentance. It's not to be like, you suck, <laughs> you're condemned. He's actually like, like it's breaking his heart. Like I'm sure when Jesus is giving this message, he's not doing it in an angry, mean voice. His, his heart's like broken because these are his people. And he's like, you guys, I just wish you would come to me. So we have to remember his heart and judgment. And so this is such a harsh comparison of the towns Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum to Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. And so we have to actually understand what the towns Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom stand for. And so in the Old Testament, then these towns, they represent wickedness. And so Tyre and Sidon, they were known to, to kind of bring the Jewish people in and, and teach them like impure ways and teach them how to worship idols. And they're, they're basically stealing God's children for them. And, and so the same way that like you parents probably feel about Jimmy when he texts your daughter at like one in the morning, telling her to Netflix and chill, <laughs> is the same way that God feels about these towns. Is God, God is, his children are being stolen by these towns. And so they're known as wicked. And Sodom... Sodom is literally just downright wicked. Like God destroyed them. God murked them. Because <laughs> literally, they are the most wicked town. And so that's all you got to know about Sodom is they have been destroyed. And they were wicked. And so why, why such a harsh comparison? Like he's, he's comparing these, these towns where they're, they're not that wicked. They're God's people. Why is he comparing them to these wicked cities. So what, what Jesus is wanting us to see is that these people have, who've, who've had a new revelation of Jesus, who've had a new revelation of his goodness, they've seen his miracles, they've seen his power, they've seen his message of repent and turn to me for the kingdom of heaven is near. They've heard the good news, but they have not turned to him. And so Jesus' judgment upon them is not based upon their wickedness, but it's actually based upon their revelation of who he is. And so that's what I want us to get today, is that, that he's not judging them because of what they've done, but he's judging them because they have not responded to his message. They've neglected him. There's a biblical scholar, and, and he has a quote here that, that I love, and it says, These cities did not attack Jesus Christ. They did not drive him from their gates. They did not seek to crucify him. They simply disregarded him. Neglect can kill as much as persecution can. And that's what I want us to see is that these, these towns neglected Jesus. They saw his goodness. They saw what he had done. They saw his miracles right in front of them. These, these towns that Jesus did most of his ministry in, they neglected him. 
But like, like, why does this matter? Like, like, why do we need to know about how Jesus judged them, why he judged them? Why am I telling you guys this today? Well, firstly, if, if it's your first time here today, I want you to know that Jesus wants to do good things in your life. He wants to show you his goodness. He wants to show you his mercy like he did in these towns. He came and he showed them who he really is. He showed them the God of the Bible. He showed them the God that loves them, that cares for them, that wants their hearts more than anything. A God that does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so if you do not know Jesus, just know that he wants your heart. He's for you. And his mercy will always precede his judgment. And we have to know the heart behind Jesus to understand his judgment. And it actually gives us a picture of a judge who we can trust. A judge that we can actually fall on. Because I know myself, there's a lot of wickedness and sinfulness in me. I cannot judge. I don't, I don't know what's right and what's wrong the way that God does. And so I can actually trust in a God that will judge, in a God that, that judges correctly. And the second reason why this is important to us is actually a little bit scarier. The second reason that, that if we've been in church our whole lives, that if we've been hearing the gospel over and over and over, if we've been, we've been soaking in the good news, we've, we've been here for the, the series in Galatians where <laughs> grace has been preached over and over and over, and if we remain unrepentant, we should be scared. And it sounds harsh, it sounds really, really scary, but the thing is, is, is when we look at these levels of judgment, Jesus has come to these towns and these towns that he's revealed himself to, they actually haven't gotten the full picture yet. And he's pronouncing this judgment, he's comparing them to like the most wicked towns in the Old Testament. And so if we have sat here and we have the full picture, we know that Jesus died on the cross, we know that he gave his life for us, we know that he loves us and that he was willing to die for everything that we did. We have that full picture. They did not have that yet. And so if we are unrepentant, then, then I am scared to think about the look that Jesus would give me if he walked in here right now. If I know about his goodness, I, if I've seen the way that he cares for me, the way that he loves me, and he walked in here today and I had not repented and turned to him, I would not want to look him in the face. So that's the second thing I want us to get from this, but... But the good news actually is that the gospel actually demands a response. And so before that day of judgment, before the time comes when I have to look at Jesus, he actually has given us a good word that, that demands a response from us. And so it might look like these towns didn't respond, but they actually did respond with neglect. That is actually a response. And so Jesus doesn't want to let us sit in a place where we, where we, where we do nothing, right? And so the, the gospel does not produce passivity, the gospel will either call us to him or we'll push him away. And, and my heart is just, it's for the people that have, have sat in church for so long and yet your heart is far from Jesus. And it's not because I want, to, want you to feel shame. It's not because I want you to, to feel scared. It's because I was actually in that place. For so many years of my life, I grew up in church. I heard the good news of Jesus. I knew it front to back but I did not repent. I sat in church for eight years, hearing the good news, telling people that I was a Christian, and yet I was addicted to porn for that whole time. I sat in church for five years, and I listened to the good news every Sunday, and then I go home and I drink. I was addicted to nicotine for six years, and that held more of a place in my life than Jesus did. 
I had hurt, I had hate, and I had contempt in my heart for people, and I did not give them forgiveness, and that was more in my life than Jesus was. And for like even longer than all those things, I sat in church from like the age of probably like five or six and up, believing this lie about myself that I was not good enough over what Jesus thought about me. And I was not repentant of that. And I heard the gospel over and over and over. And so I do not give this message today to, to make people feel bad or to make you feel condemned, but, but just to recognize that, that there is so much better for you. That there is so much more than coming to church and just, just sitting here and, and hearing the good news and then going back home and not having any joy. Not having any peace. There's so much more. There's a God who sent his only son to die for our sins. We did not deserve it. Not one bit. But he came and he took everything and he put it on his shoulders and he died for us. And he gave his life for us. Not for us to sit in church and to hear his word over and over and over but not do anything about it, but he died for us to come to him. To come to him and to receive his goodness, to receive the freedom from sin. That's what he did for us. He gives us new life. And he wants that for us. He does not want us to perish. He wants us to come in repentance. And so, carrying on in the passage, verse 25, I don't have the slides for it, but just bear with me. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to, be, committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus is saying, Father, I praise you and I thank you for hiding these from the prideful. Hiding, my, hiding your goodness from the people who don't want it, who neglect it. And he says, I thank you for revealing them to little children. He's thankful for that. And I think of my own life so many times that, that, that God was probably thankful that his goodness wasn't revealed to me yet because I was not in a place where I was repentant. I was not in a place to receive it. I was still prideful. I was still living for myself. And he's, he's pleased to reveal his goodness to the humble. So when I was in a place to receive it, he was pleased to give it. He was pleased to show his goodness. And he wants to show it to you guys today. Who, anyone who is, who's dodging the goodness of God, he wants to show it to you. If we come in humility, if we understand that there, there is something and things in us that we need to repent of and we need to give to him, and he is willing to take us so much farther than we ever could on our own. And, and this passage ends with probably the most beautiful verse in the Bible, at least I think so. And I go back to it a lot. In verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And it's such a beautiful promise. Because I know that, that carrying that burden of shame, that burden that comes with sin, I know that it is heavy. And I know that it makes me weary. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. It's a promise. 
that as we come to him and we give him these things on our heart, these things that are taking us away from his love, that he will give us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. And, and yoke back in biblical times meant his teachings. So he says, take my teachings upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And when I think of like, like making something my, the Lord over my life, I think of like almost an abusive power. But that's not who Jesus is saying he is. He's saying I'm gentle and humble. And that's the Lord that I want over my life. And he says again, you will find rest for your souls. I know that, that there was no rest in my soul. As I heard the good news and I did not repent, I know that there was no rest in my soul. Now coming on the other side where Jesus is my Lord, I know that there is rest. I know that this is an actual promise that actually has substance to it. Because I've been in both places. And today I, I just want to make a call just for anyone who's, who's in that place where, where it's like, I've been coming for so long and, and it just feels like I just really haven't experienced it yet. It feels like, like there's, there needs to be more because this is not enough. I'm going home and, I, and I, I'm still living a life that is not for Jesus and it, it is not fulfilling. And it's not what I want. If this message is, is tugging something in your heart, I want this to be a time where we respond today. I want you to turn to him and I want you to give your life to him because this is something that Jesus invites us into. His gospel demands a response. It's a good response to come to him. And so if everyone just wants to stand. I just want us to, to look over our lives and take just a humble look at, at what's in our hearts. And to remember the goodness and the mercy of God and to, to see what he's done in our lives and, and to, to, to think about this good news that he's giving us. And whether it's your first time here or you've been here for forever, it's the same good news. It's the same gospel. It's the same message from Jesus that's tugging on our hearts. And so if you are weary and you are burdened, Jesus is offering you rest. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you want to receive that rest, if you want to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior today, if you have been in church for so long and yet you have neglected God, you've neglected His goodness, or if it's your first time here and you're just hearing about it and you're like, this guy sounds amazing, <laughs> just put your hand up. If you want to receive that today. And I'm just going to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for each and every heart that is in this place. Jesus, I thank you for your good news, the gospel. That we can come to you and we can give you our sins. And we can give you everything that is broken in our heart. And we can trust in you that you will give us rest. That when you died and you rose again on the cross, you defeated death, you defeated sin. And we can now enter into that place with you, Jesus. So I just pray for each and every person who raised their hand today, God, that they can come to you in repentance. They can come to you turning from the ways that they've been believing about themselves, whether they've been believing that they're not enough, whether they've been believing that they have no purpose, God, whether things are going wrong in their life right now. Lord, I just pray 
that they can come to you with that, Lord, and not be afraid of what might come from it, not be afraid of, of what will happen in their life when they give it to you, but they will be expectant, they will find rest. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, God. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We hope it blessed you and that you're encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and we would love to connect with you. Be blessed as you continue your week.